Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hi team, Oliver here. If you're listening to this on the morning of 10th of September 2020, be sure to dial into Horace's micromobility moment, which is about to happen at 12 midday Eastern time. Link in the show notes. It will be a very exciting presentation. Today, I interview Sam Herr, Executive Director of the North American Bike Share Association and Heidi Gannon, the Shared Mobility Product Manager and Mobility Data, about the GBFS data standard. For anybody who's listened to this podcast before, you will know that I've been searching about for how to make a future happen where all of the micromobility vehicles talk to each other and can easily be opened and accessed using your smartphone for seamless, beautiful, sweet travel. I had always thought that this was about MDS, the standard that we've covered a lot on this podcast. But actually, as I've come to understand, GBFS is where all the action is for the consumer side. If you like to nerd out on the stuff like me, you are in the right place. In terms of news, electric bike pioneer Mike Radenbar was interviewed on the latest episode of How I Built This. We're hoping to get him on the podcast, but in the meantime, I loved that in this episode, he revealed that his company, Rad Power Bikes, has 25% market share in the US, did 100 million in sales in 2019, is on track to grow by 3x that this year. And thanks to the pandemic, the company has more bikes on order right now than it has sold in its entire five-year history. Boom. In Europe, Swapfiat's launched a monthly subscription service for bikes, e-bikes, and e-scooters in Paris yesterday. If you're wondering why the subscription model in space is heating up so much right now, you'll recall from the recent episode with David Hyman, CEO of Unagi, one-third of consumers say they would prefer leasing a scooter to owning or renting one. Awesome to see that this business model is getting more traction. Finally, in the shared space, Lime had one of the best PR easy wins with the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson taking to one at a recent launch in the UK. Great fun, and hopefully it can be the start of a transportation revolution in the UK. And with that, here's Sam and Heidi. And welcome back to Micromobility. Uh, I have with us today Sam Herr and Heidi Gannon. How are you going both today? Great, thank you. Excellent. Well, look, I thought maybe what we could do is if we start off with you, Sam, and then and then you, Heidi, if you could just explain your background and how you came to be working in the, the mobility data space um, and, and your background there. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, sure. I can start out. So uh, currently I am the executive director of the North American Bike Share Association or NABSA for short. And for those of us who don't uh, don't know who NABSA is, NABSA is a nonprofit membership association for the shared micromobility industry with representation from host cities, equipment manufacturers, uh, operators, and technology providers. Um, And I can say a little bit more about NAPS in a moment, but um, in terms of myself, uh, I've been working in the bike share shared micromobility space uh, since about 2012. And before that, um, came to it by way of bicycle transportation and through my role as executive director at NABSA over the past uh, guess I'm in my fourth year, um, mm-hmm. I started working on uh, data, mobility data. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. And Heidi? Um, yeah, I'm Heidi Gannon. I'm the product manager for shared mobility for mobility data. And um, and we are yeah, a large collection of, of nerds. And <laughs> came around to this as uh, an original, originally my background is in public health and in urban planning. And so spent a lot of time as an advocate in a public health organization working on active transportation and transit work. And just through a whole lot of slightly off tangent job changes, um, ended up yeah. working a lot more with with data and uh, started with mobility data as a contractor last year. And one of the first things I was working on was uh, GBFS with SAM and NABSA. So now it's my now it's my life. Great. Well, um, that's very exciting. I, I, I think um, one of the things that for a lot of the listeners, they're going to hear is mobility. One, they hadn't heard of mobility data, and I can almost guarantee that because I hadn't heard of mobility data, and I'm very, I'm very into this. I'm very excited about this space um, for reasons that I think a lot of the listeners probably understand. But um, I, what would be really useful is to understand the company or the organization mobility data, how it relates to NABSA, and then also in the kind of more general context, how it relates to uh, groups like OMF or USD, uh, the, the LADOT and the MDS um, standard as well. So maybe, uh, Heidi, you might be best to describe that that aspect or that relationship? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Mobility Data is a membership-based international nonprofit organization, and we exist to manage and to expand uh, mobility data formats. And we do that through an open and transparent governance, pro- governance process, and that's you know primarily on, on uh, GitHub. So we've been leading uh, community conversations well, so I'm going to take a moment because I, I, I'm saying data formats. So I'm going to yeah. take a moment really quickly to talk about what I mean when I say data formats. So if if you don't know what a data format is, you can um, picture it as, as a language. So right now I'm using a language. I'm using English, and I'm sharing with you what I know in English. And if you're listening to this podcast, you understand it because you have learned English and we are speaking a kind of same standardized language. This isn't quite true. You're going to hear maybe a couple different kinds of English in this conversation, but generally um, we're using the same dictionary, right? So when a bike share operator wants to explain to a mobility application what, um, what kind of services they're offering, they use another specialized language. And that's what we're referring to when we say GBFS. That's the general bike share feed specification. And it's just a language. And both parties know that language. So when we say that NABSA and mobility data are improving that or enhancing it, what we mean is that we're kind of extending that dictionary. We're, we're adding words. We're adding more ways of describing things, describing the scooters or pricing or speed limits that our earlier dictionary didn't have. Um, and so then the bike share operator sort of publishes their, we call them feeds, their data set or their data feed. And that's like a newspaper, except one that's like published every 30 seconds. And yep. it explains to everybody kind of what, um, where the stations are, where the vehicle is. And then the trip planner application downloads that feed or that newspaper takes that information and kind of republishes it. Some of those, another thing you're going to hear is public versus private. So some of those feeds are, um, are private and some are public. And a public feed is like a free newspaper that anybody can grab without a fee and doesn't have to necessarily exchange any information. They can just take it and walk away with it. And yep. uh, a private feed is like more like a subscription to a magazine where you're going to get that information, but you have to have a subscription or sign an agreement or pay for it. And only then do you get to access it. So just want to do that quick. We're going to throw that data That's format awesome. thing around a lot. That's what we're talking about. Way better about. than I could have ever done. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, Heidi, that was, that was a great analogy. 
Yeah. That's kudos to Leo, our our um, executive director. He's he's really good at that. So I got that from him. Um, yeah. So we've been leading mobility data has been leading the community conversations around GTFS, which is sort of the transit dictionary, since about mm -hmm. 2016. And um, that one was created in 2005, so it's got a bit of a, an extent, longer life so far than Bike Share one. But um, we started as a project of the Rocky Mountain Institute, and um, that project really revitalized the public transit data community and the open data community around transit. And then we got some industry sponsorship, and then we officially became a standalone organization in 2019. And that was the same year that NABSA put out an RFP to have somebody extend and, and fix up GBFS. And so um, it was a really natural fit for us to submit a proposal. Um, you know, Sam will talk a little bit about GBFS's start, and it was inspired by GTFS, which we had a really deep history with. So. Mm -hmm. um, that was so it was just a really great fit and after the contractual relationship we finalized our partnership in a you know in a just a more kind of partner way and it's been really great for both of our organizations we're co-hosting um, our second annual GBFS developers workshop together tomorrow um, so it's it's been really fruitful for both of us oh very exciting Excellent. Yeah. Well, um, Sam, could you explain for a bit of context for NABSA, so NABSA's size, um, the the number of partners that you have, and then how you have thought about the development of GBFS over time? Yeah, so I can back up and talk a little bit about NABSA and then um, connect up and dovetail with uh, what, what Heidi just mentioned. Um, so NABSA is a nonprofit membership-based association for the shared micromobility industry. Um, so we have members, we have about 80 members now. Those members represent host cities, equipment manufacturers, operators, and technology providers. And our mission is to support, promote, and enhance shared micromobility across, nor uh, shared micromobility slash alternative to traditional transportation across North America. Um, and so we do this in several ways. We provide resources, education, advocacy, uh, and importantly, create spaces for the industry's public, private, and nonprofit sectors to convene and empower each other. Um, so one of the first projects of NABSA when we were a young organization, um, getting our start founded in 2014, was to start to think about the development of a specification that we all know now as GBFS. Um, so under NABSA's leadership, one of the first projects was to convene uh, a cross-sector group of stakeholders that worked on GBFS and um, created the first version, which was launched in 2015. Um, and so as we know, the industry of shared micromobility has evolved quite a lot since that uh, beginning time when, of course, there were, were only bikes as one defining feature of uh, the 2014-15 landscape and now. Um, but the industry has evolved in, in many ways uh, since then. And so uh, we were recognizing that we really needed to uh, help GBFS evolve along with the industry. And so uh, this is the dovetail part with what Heidi mentioned. <laughs> Again, in 2019, we put an RFP out to work with uh, an organization who could help us do that. And as Heidi mentioned, GBFS was inspired originally by GTFS, which of course, Mobility Data, as Heidi mentioned, they're already working on, on that project. And so it really was quite a natural fit. And um, and at this point, you've, you've, you've heard it. So uh, we had a really successful yeah. 2019 project, and now we uh, continue to work as partners. Excellent. And, and I guess the, the, the reason that I'm excited about it when I think about micromobility is that 
and anybody who's listened to this podcast a couple of times will know that I'm going to be on, I'm going to bang on about this, but it's the idea that you can walk up to any micro mobility device and be able to, in theory, open it um, or, or gain access to it through some sort of standardized, you know, that every, every scooter or every bike or every kind of vehicle that might exist in a city would be able to talk with each other and that they would be, you wouldn't have to necessarily download apps um, and that there would be a sort of seamless integration between all of them, that micromobility would enable itself to become that kind of connective tissue for all the other forms of transport as well, that you'd be able to hop off a bus and know res- that there's a bike reserved or a, another vehicle reserved and that even better would be that the ticketing would be able to be integrated and all that sort of thing. Um, and and so I guess in some ways that's where Horace, who's our co-host on on, on the show, um, oftentimes talk about that's what's that's what's possible with um, when you when you have when you think about these vehicles as being part of a computing platform. And so this is almost like the protocol level, um, the communication between all of these different devices to make sure that they can work together. And I assume that that's where we're going i mean that's that's why you know that when you look at gtfs that's certainly where where you look at where it's going it's talking about fears and other things as well i mean is that maybe it's heidi uh, you can answer that but um can you talk sort of to the vision of what these what what you see uh enabled with these protocols so i think i mean the pricing absolutely in the same way that um I mean, the, this is the benefit of sitting in the organization that's working on both of these is I've gotten to see the fair the fair pricing uh, schemes for the transit side too and we're extending those on bike share um, also extending bike the we're extending GBFS to represent other modes including there's a car extension proposal car sharing extension proposal right now um, mm-hmm. the pricing proposal is pretty robust at this point and um, and that's just to provide information for travelers right now um, one of the really r- remarkably uh, kind of affirming things in the last year at Mobility Data has been now that we exist, now that we are a you know kind of neutral nonprofit organization with a lot of in-house technical expertise, which I think is one of the things that's really separates us from a lot of these other conversations is that we are convening and facilitating. We have policy, we have staff with policy expertise, and we have the technical staff to do the work and build the tools and help other people kind of drive that adoption means that we're having a lot of different industry stakeholders ask us to consider creating other standards. And so payment integration, I don't think a day goes by without someone asking if we've thought about doing that. Um, And so I can't say that we haven't thought about doing that, Um, (laughs) but it takes, it takes a lot of resources. And so um, for us, you know, focusing on GTFS and GBFS as that, you know, you're describing, I think something that other folks might call MOS or mobility as a service or, you know, maybe, maybe. And trip planning, just surfacing the information about what's available is absolutely the first step. Right, and that's what GBFS and GTFS do very well. And then both of them are getting extended in ways that make it a really natural fit to move into payment and booking and some of those other pieces that, that get a little closer to that what that platform looks like. And, um, and, and it's something that we're excited about and we're absolutely you know, open to you know, talking with our stakeholders who say like, this is what we want. And it's just a matter of you know, making sure that we can, we can scope that and fund that and do that work in the same, with the same level of integrity that we're doing the GTFS and GBFS work. And, yeah. um, and it's hard because the industry wants to move really fast. Um, and we want to support that. 
but uh, to have a broad adoption of a standard, we also have to do a lot of a lot of uh, consensus work to get there first. Yeah, well, um, that, that it's just really interesting that you bring that up because a part I want to dig in around the, the politics of this as well. But I, um, I, one, I just realised actually there was one further part that I actually wanted to understand as well in the kind of this broader ecosystem as we think about this, which is that it sounds like this is all consumer focused. It's a, it's focused on how does the consumer see and be able to have this stuff um, uh, surface, as you say, for trip planning. Um, but there's also another data standard that sits around all of this, which we kind of have tangentially touched on a number of times which is mobility data specification. And it would be great to get that. Um, how does that intersect with the work that you're doing? Um, and and who are the, who's the customer for that data, if, yeah. if, if I may? Yeah. So um, in, in, terms of, in terms of kind of how we relate to that, so um, the, the Open Mobility Foundation is the governing structure for the mobility data specification. And um, MDS. So MDS is also an open data standard. Um, so, you know, your listeners can hop onto GitHub and they can check out GBFS and MDS and all the documentation and kind of see how we talk about ourselves. But um, when GBFS was first developed, as Sam mentioned, it was able to represent um, real-time traveler-facing information about docked bike share, right? That's yeah. where we were at. And, um, and now GBFS looks very different. But in the interim, a lot of stuff showed up on the streets in cities. And uh, and the folks in cities really, they saw an increase in the number and the diversity of these shared mobility operators. And they identified a need for data to kind of help them with regulation and compliance and analysis. And so that's where MDS came in. And um, and really, I think, with a, with a focus on cities and like what cities need. And when I was talking about public versus private data sets, MDS is private. The, um, the information that's being exchanged is, um, is just between the operator and the city. And MDS also, another important difference is GBFS is not, it doesn't exchange information. So on GBFS right now, you just pull that information down. Um, this, on MDS, there's an opportunity for an exchange. There's an opportunity for the city to push data down to the operator and the operator to push data back up. So that's that's the difference between them. Um, we have MDS. Uh, technically, they to be MDS compliant for the uh, for the provider API that they have, you're supposed to publish a GBFS dataset. So we're we're connected in that way. Um, there's a recognition that for cities to achieve the kind of vision that you described of this kind of seamless integrated mobility where you can pull up one app and see everything that's available, that a public data set is helpful. So MDS actually requires that for compliance. And then we regularly kind of work with, uh, work with the folks there just to double check where we have similar information and to try to be as aligned as we can so that it's a little less onerous for all of our stakeholders um, to you know, present data in two different ways. We'll check in with each other about, oh, well, we're about to change the name of this. Like, should we wait? Do, are you about to do something similar? Should we get aligned yep. on that? Um, that sort of thing. So our, that's, that's what the relationship looks like. One thing that I will say that is, um, you know, that is a challenge for us is we're an international organization. We're a global organization. And, you know, similarly, when I mentioned that we're like, we're extending GBFS for car sharing, the pressure for that is coming more from our European stakeholders. The car sharing market in the U.S. took a bit of a, took a bit of a dive. Um, yes. So, so we, 
<laughs> I live in Portland. It makes me sad all the time. Um, yeah. But we do. So so we respond to we we just respond to stakeholders that have. Um, a pretty broad set of interests. And one of the things that happened last year is we changed GBFS in a way to protect traveler privacy. We realized there with the new dockless systems, there was a um, there was a field that had the potential to let a bad actor recreate trips and identify folks. So we changed a field. And when we did it, we broke a use case for a lot of our European stakeholders. And we promised them that we would come back and fix it. And so um, in that way, right now, we are, uh, we're working with stakeholders to understand what a private GBFS data set could look like. We really advocate for the public one for all the reasons that like you've mentioned and we, we, like, we'll talk about on this because it's important to Sam and I both. It's important to both of our organizations. But then we also know that there are a lot of, um, there's a difference in shared micromobility around the competitiveness of the stakeholders yeah. involved that transit doesn't have. And, um, and then the fact that you do take these door to door and that at some point when we do a really great job of describing a vehicle and its battery level and whether or not it has a basket We've almost given it a stable ID that you can track in a system. So mm -hmm. that is something that we're exploring um, on the GBFS side that is a little different from what we've talked about so far with you already. Yeah, awesome. Um, that's really really useful context. I, th I certainly think the, um, the, the, the idea of um, there being well, that that there's that there's that wider thing around city governments and the, and the ability of them as a customer to have their own kind of custom data set, and then the needs for consumers and the and kind of what's what's relevant to be able to bring that up. Um, when I've been talking to governments, they've really focused only on MDS because that's their that that's because for them that's how they consider it, right? That's the, that's sort of their data set. But actually, it's so important to get the customer experience right. For, for, for so much of this. And actually, Sam, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, obviously you put this out, um, the NABs have put this out as a, 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 a kind of a tender to, to think about this, but what was the, what's the process for you as the, as the industry has developed? And I'd also love uh, for you, if you could talk about sort of what you saw in 2018, 2019 with the kind of the explosion of micromobility and just how that's changed the dynamic of that of, of NABSA as an organization from sort of the early days as well. Yeah, I mean, that's an, another very interesting question. I actually did want to go back to um, to the comment that you made um, just before the last question that you asked me about um, kind of the explosion of, of 2018 and 19 and how that affected NAPSA, because that's great. But you were mentioning uh, about like cities and cities focus on MDS recently <clears throat> and how important the consumer experience and being able to actually, you know, give the people what they want and be able to ensure yeah. that they're actually getting, you know, the, the usable, useful, efficient um, transportation experience that we're uh, all trying to work towards here. Um, and I wanted to point out a really important detail that, um, you know, NABSA is certainly uh, continually trying to stress, which is that it's really important that cities require a publicly uh, available open GBFS feed. Um, and so there's a few parts to that. Um, and Heidi could probably talk at length about the specifics of all of it. Uh, but basically, um, you know, you're, you're right. So any, any, uh, you know, municipal staff and cities listening to this podcast, I want to make sure that, that they hear, um, that it's really important to do that. NABSA has resources, mobility data has resources as well, um, to make sure that you're thinking about, um, you know, requiring that in, um, the structures that you have to, um, 
uh, when, when you're setting up shared micromobility in your community. Um, yeah. And additionally, I'll just tag on to that, uh, that we also really like it when the systems uh, are also recorded in the system file uh, on GitHub. So uh, right now, for example, um, we have, th- this is, this is uh, you know, uh, the easiest way for us to know, you know, where the GBFS is being utilized and what systems are using it. So Oh, literally, you don't even know necessarily which cities are deploying it until they write the, oh. Yeah, we do know this. Um, yes. I'm saying the easiest way to uh, see uh, what systems are utilizing it is to have it in actually recorded in GitHub. So right now, for example, there's 290 systems worldwide that we can see in the GitHub repository that are utilizing GBFS. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's just another important um, thing to consider for for folks is that um, they include both of those recommendations or even requirements uh, when they're thinking about micro-ability in their communities. Awesome. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, and, and then I guess in some ways I'd love for you to expound on the 2018-2019 the period and just how that how that intersected for you as, as NABSA. Sure. So, I mean, uh, as our name suggests, North American Bike Share Association, uh, we were named, uh, the organization's name is a legacy name from uh, the days of, of the bike share space that now has emerged into shared micromobility, which is really exciting. And our organization has really fully embraced that. Um, so back in 2018, the NAPSA Board of Directors uh, did vote uh, due to a member poll uh, and the results that we got from our membership uh, to expand NAPSA scope. So now we do cover all shared micromobility. So if it fits in a bike lane, it fits in the shared micro, it fits in NAPSA, uh, the North yep, American yep. Bike Share Association. Yeah. And because I mean, in some ways, and this is just, this is purely having, I, I'm not in the, I'm not in North America, I'm based in New Zealand, but the, as I was, as I watched this space explode, I could just feel for you because it was really, you know, you're an organization that until now or until that point had really been dealing with what felt like slow deployments of, um, of, of kind of bike share systems and talking to Ryan, uh, the founder of jump about it. He was like, man, everything was really slow. And then all of a sudden there was this, this like giant proliferation of all of these people, um, dropping scooters everywhere and oftentimes they didn't even you know he he said it was actually harder to raise capital with experience because they thought that that was a hindrance to them being able to you know do this whole explosion and what we've seen obviously is that huge explosion and scoot the scoot scoot apocalypse in uh in san francisco and and that and and then obviously a crashing a kind of a a a kind of a, a come to um uh, yeah come to kind of a realization that actually this is not going to be the sort of the be all and end all and there's lots of long-term things that need to sl- you know that are going to take a long time to adapt um, infrastructure being one of them and cities and their processes around how to grant permits and all that sort of stuff that are kind of coming um, and so in some ways it feels to me like what happened was there was a giant explosion and you were caught you know as just an organization who's been built on on something that's been a lot slower to de- deploy you know, it was a challenge to be able to adapt to the speed and to be able to kind of absorb all of that. And now it's sort of coming back around, I think. How's the, how's the traditional organ, like organizations like Bird and Lime and, and others who are sort of stalwarts of the, what you'd call the kind of the larger and shared micromobility industry and the new, new wave. Are they, are they looking to join NABSA? How, how's your interaction with them been? 
Yeah, so many of them are members of NAPSA already. Um, so yeah, as, as a result of our expanded mission, uh, we are you know basically a, a broader uh, organization. Um, there's many reasons for that. Um, I know the topic of this, this podcast uh, episode is GBFS. Um, yeah. Uh, but we, we know like in theme, maybe to kind of bring us back around, um, you know, we've, we know that bike share riders and now shared mobility riders are multimodal. Uh, we know yeah. this. <laughs> so, uh, so it serves us, um, you know, and, and Heidi's even talking about the ways in which GBFS is expanding as well uh, as the industry is expanding. So, um, really it's, it's just that we, we have more options we focus on shared micro mobility. Again, the way NAPSA likes to easily define that is, uh, fitting in a bike lane. Um, and, uh, you know, we see them all as very synergistic and united in a lot of ways. It, it, you know, in this case with shared micro mobility specifically, uh, is reducing the amount of single occupancy, uh, car trips. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point, exactly. I can see that that's the, that the one thing that I could see as the, as the, 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 there was sort of a proliferation, even down into places like New Zealand, where we're all of a sudden we had a lot of scooters on the road. Everyone was saying we need a standardized protocol to be able to communicate so that, for example, these things can show up in things like Google Maps and others as well, which is why it's so important to be able to deploy and make it open and accessible that you don't have to reinvent the wheel in every new city that this, uh, these systems get rolled out in. Um, I'd love to hear what, you know, what those competing standards have looked like globally. So, so, so because obviously every, every city as, as you've, as there has been that explosion that I've sort of talked about, um, there was, um, lots of, I mean, one of the things that I found super interesting was when we did micromobility Berlin in, uh, in Europe, that a lot of the cities, when you talk to them and micromobility providers, they weren't using MDS. Like MDS was not, they were talking about trying to develop a local yeah. standard. And I, and I don't know how actually i didn't actually kind of understand fully at the time where gbfs sort of fit into all of this but how each city has developed and whether you know are there competing standards do you see that and then obviously your north american focus but you talk about it being wider do you know how they're doing it in china do you see foresee that there will be a global standard at some point and and obviously you consider yourself a participant in that heidi it's probably the yeah. best person to start so with that. we're yeah. so we're we're not i mean I'm North American. Mobility data is not. Um, yeah. So we we work. I mean, we were having in uh, September 21st through 23rd our European workshops, um, and so every year we do a North American and a European and Asian Pacific workshop, and those are all in English. But then we also do in language workshops. We've done French and Spanish, and we've got German coming up later this year. So. Um, on the transit side, we kind of started to develop those relationships, and then we've brought them over to the, the shared mobility side as well. And when Sam mentioned that catalog of systems that we have, um, we have a lot of systems in Europe that are providing public uh, GBFS data sets. And we know that there are many that have private ones because as soon as we required the rotation of the vehicle ID to protect traveler privacy, yeah, they still wanted that information. And um, for we spent a lot of time with our stakeholders trying to understand why they wanted that and why they did not just stick with the public traveler facing GBFS and move to MDS. And there are, you know, different cities have different reasons for it. And, um, and there are things that I, I am not a lawyer 
And uh, turns out there aren't that many lawyers who actually can tell anybody what GDPR means when it comes to geolocation data that may be personally identifiable. And um, and so I think it, it created a little bit of uh, just concern with some of our stakeholders in Europe early on who just weren't quite sure that they, they weren't quite sure if they could use MDS or not. And they weren't sure mm. if it was what they, what, what was the right fit for them. Um, even prior to the development of MDS, though, many of them had already been using GBFS for a really light touch analysis and kind of compliance. Um, and, and just haven't, haven't ch changed from that, which is part yep. of why we want to now provide really explicit, uh, spec work around that because otherwise we're always going to have a shadow like a non-standard standard underneath ours yeah and that's yep. not the point of a standard it's to have the one so um so that's why we're doing a lot of that work but we also know that um you know the northern european uh countries are a lot more focused on mobility as a service and so they have really started to create a lot more of these kind of like top down like really comprehensive standards that that get into payment and booking integration um, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've gotten, um, you know, we know like Paris had their own standard for a while, CIVU. And yep. um, we have the, um, but there are a lot of folks who are publishing GBFS. And right now there's a big push uh, because of the European Union regulations around national access points. So all the countries required to publish public data about the transportation options in, in their jurisdictions that um, huh, is really okay. driving some conversations about standardization. There's a European standard called NETEX that's been around for a long time with transit, and mm -hmm. um, they are starting to expand to other modes. And so that um, that is a conversation that is just now happening, uh, I think this year. NETEX is, it used to be used for operations, and then they started getting, you make a standard, for a use case, people start to find other uses for it. Totally, totally, exactly. They add I mean, things on. Yeah. We, we, we are, we're all experiencing this. Um, yep. So now they're starting to provide some passenger information in NetEx, and they're trying to think about shared mobility as well. Um, and we work with them. You know, we, like, we try to kind of – GBFS and GTFS are much lighter. They're much simpler. Yep. And because we – have a governance process that requires the data producers who are typically the private companies and the operators to agree. It's a consensus model. Mm. It is a deeply implementable, very practical specification. Um, so we, we often just serve a different role in the market, I think, um, outside mm. of just the idea of being traveler facing. In China, there doesn't seem to be a standard that's being used across China. Um, when I kind of look at the the bike share map, um, he's you know he's got a pretty pretty good catalog of of data sets there. A lot of times it's historic data or it's um, kind of one off or proprietary feeds. And so um, I don't think that there's a, a standard being used yet. Um, although we're seeing in you know some other countries in um, Southeast Asia that GBFS and GTFS are getting some traction there. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. Um, the the I mean I can imagine as well that there's there's kind of almost inherent politics that emerge around this and actually I'd love for you to talk through maybe both of you um is just the what are the I mean there's obviously lots of opportunities in taking a collaborative approach but what are the what are the the 
I mean, the, the pitfall that I can see, obviously, the challenge that I can see is just you've got a lot more stakeholders to work with, a lot more stakeholders to try and communicate with. And as you say, it's harder when you're kind of working in a consortium to be able to move quickly. Um, yeah, just if you could talk to, to that experience and, and how you're kind of trying to resolve for that. Yeah. Do you want to? Either Sam, of you. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm, you I'm happy. I'm happy to take it. Sam has it. Sam, we have different. We have different experiences of this between our organizations. Um, we, yeah, we, yeah. we We both have our, the things that help us go slower. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that collaborative work is what makes us sure that we're making something that the industry needs and it can mm. use, and it's what allows us to really push adoption like broad and wide adoption, which is what you need for a standard to be useful. Um, you know, we can make all the data specifications we want, um, but if people aren't going to use it because it didn't meet their needs, then it's mm. not a standard at all. So our team is really dedicated and savvy, and we have like a lot of really interesting expertise that allows us to do the political work and the technical work, but we're trying to model what is being offered by a rapidly evolving industry. And there's just no way that we could possibly do that successfully without being in constant collaboration with the people who are producing the data and the people who are consuming the data. And we need to value those perspectives equally because they're, they're, our, they're the users. And if it doesn't mm. work for one side of them, then the adoption isn't gonna be as broad as we would like it to be. And it just makes this, the whole standard less valuable. Um, it does mean that we we have to do the work of building that consensus as we go all along the way. We don't get to just plop in and say, you know, we're doing version three of GBFS and this is what's in it and you all are just gonna comply with it. Um, we don't, that's not how it works. But I think it's one of the reasons why GBFS is so successful. GTFS is 15 years old. Yeah. And there's probably about 1500 or so like public data sets of GTFS out there, we're not quite sure. Sam mentioned we have almost 300 in systems, our systems catalog, um, but that catalog is volunteer GBFS. maintained. Yeah, yeah, for GBFS, that yeah. that catalog is volunteer maintained. Um, so either the operator or the city or a community advocate adds it. Right, um, we're only going to be starting later this year to re really actively be like combing and finding those, but mm. those are the only the public ones. We also know that there's a lot of the private feeds happening. And that level of adoption, yeah. this early in a specification, when from 2015 to 2019, there wasn't a dedicated organ, like uh, NAPSA didn't have a lot of organizational capacity to keep pushing the spec. Now we have just a year of that under our belt. And I think we're gonna get really broad adoption of GBFS because of this collaborative model, because of this consensus model, because it makes sure that we're meeting the needs and not, um, you know, tr not trying to model every single thing that exists at the expense of it being really difficult for everyone to do. Yeah. Sam, any further thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Heidi, Heidi covered really what, um, you know, as well what I was going to say is you can't have a standard without the buy-in and the way you get buy-in is to have this collaborative approach and it really, uh, having those multiple perspectives also allows it to be successful. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, you, you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a specification that's looking around all the corners that, that need to be looked around to make it successful. So um, you're also talking to someone who's incredibly biased because, I mean, NABSA, this isn't the only uh, sort of collaborative 
cross-sector project that, that NABSA has facilitated and birthed and things like this. So we do this in a lot of different areas. <laughs> so yeah. we find extreme value in, in this approach, this sort of collaborative consensus-driven approach. And that's in a large way what, what drives NABSA. You know, we have um, a, an organization with membership that is cross-sector as well as, uh, you know, multiple geographies and, and everything else. And so um, yeah, you're, you're probably just getting a very biased perspective, but I, but I can say factually that it's working out pretty well. So, yeah, the, the one um, part that I was also curious about is, um, you mentioned before that you were thinking you have a car share specification. Would that be something that mobility data would do a whole nother data specification for, or would you fold it into the GBFS? So right now the intention is to fold it into GBFS. And it would be treated as an extension the same way that, so GTFS has many, many extensions, um, which means, you know, if you are using GBFS to model a, like a docked bike share system, there mm -hmm. are going to be all kinds of things that are optional that you wouldn't, you just wouldn't use. Um, and, and so we do that, we do those extensions to kind of keep from bloating the, the core um, and requiring a whole lot of null, null data. Um, and so, yeah, so car sharing would be, um, would be an extension of GBFS. It started with the introduction of cars as a vehicle type in 2.1. Uh, we learned that um, there was some, some work already being done in the community uh, in open trip planner routing to, mm -hmm. to try to model those, those kinds of um, systems. And so we're just building off of that. And, um, and then with a little, a little extra uh, motivation from from our European car sharing partners who are uh, going to be required to publish this data soon. Um, oh, interesting. So it's almost for them, it's a compliance requirement as much as, it, well, I mean, obviously there's a customer facing aspect to it, but there's also a compliance requirement. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, here, like here in, um, you know, in the United States and Portland where I live and uh, we like, there may be something in the contract between the city and the operator that the data has to be published, but mm. at a, at a national level or even at our, our, you know, state level, the, we don't require that of transportation providers. Um, but in the European union, the national access point is going to start requiring the, this publishing of transportation data. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, it just makes me wonder about the, the, the sort of the, the cultural aspect. I mean, I guess that the part that I come back to uh, when you look at something like um, GBFS, and again, I'm going to go back and um, bang the drum of like, how do we get all those different options that are available? Car sharing, as well as, uh, you know, obviously I come from the right, I, I come from the right hailing industry, but also um, yeah. bike shares, et cetera, that they all get surfaced at the same time so that a customer can actually sort of yeah. see and compare them all in one go. Um, and Europe is obviously a lot more multimodal in its transport strategies. And so we would ask for those things in the first place. Um, whereas in North America, it's sort of, no, 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 it's the car. We'll just take everything, you know, the car will, the car will do. It'll fix and, it. And uh, we know where that, yes, absolutely. And we, and we know where that goes. Um, so marvelous. Um, look, uh, is there anything else that, um, that you want that, you know, that you'd think that, a, uh, uh, nerds like, uh, who probably listen to this podcast should know about, uh, our mobility data that we haven't covered, uh, Heidi. And then, and then, um, Sam, I'd love, yeah. Oh, no, no, Sam. You if can go for Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, since you asked, um, <laughs> uh, actually NAPSA released, uh, our, our first, Shared Micromobility State of the Industry Report, uh, which is a snapshot of 2019 data, actually, um, of North America. Mm -hmm. um, and so we released that actually uh, actually just last week. 
Um, but an interesting nerd fact that I think a lot of listeners may want to know is, uh, uh, in our data collection, we found that in North America in 2019, 56% of cities were requiring a GBFS, uh, feed. So, uh, that was a nice statistic, um, as well to kind of see some of the imprint, uh, and footprint that we're making with GBFS. Um, so the drum I like to beat as, as well as I've been, uh, Doing in this podcast is again um, just sort of flagging the importance of of requiring GPFS to uh, make the vision of of um, of your your transportation vision that Oliver you like to talk about a reality. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, um, the, and I, I, the, the kind of framing of why that's important is just so because it's the vehicles themselves are important. Yes, but actually, it's the network. And, that, and that's yeah. the part that I, I, I yeah. think a lot of people, when they whenever they look at this, don't realize. They're sort of like, oh, it's a scooter, but it's actually... No, it's the scooter connected to all of these other things that really um, kind of... Well, the scooter or the bike or the car or the whatever, but it's the ability to have it all discoverable and easily accessible and things. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I will stop. Heidi. Yeah. No, that's... that. That's a, it's a perfect lead-in because I think just a couple things that I would mention is... Um, just more plugs for people to get involved. So, you know, I mentioned we have a workshop, our European workshops coming up September 21st, 22nd, 23rd. We have a full day on transit data training and a half day on shared mobility data training. And then we get into workshops separately. So kind of no matter where people are on the spectrum of their engagement with the data, if there's interest, there's a place for them with us and we would yes. love to have them. And then um, also just when you were talking about ride hailing, I just want to mention I said earlier, we, we've had a lot of folks asking us to take on some different different things. Um, and mm-hmm. the two that we are sort of most actively pulling together working groups for, because we're funded through memberships and we're funded mm-hmm. through working groups and we're funded through, um, you know, specific kind of projects. And two that are coming together right now is the private GBFS work that I've already mentioned. And then the other one is um, a specification for on-demand vehicles like microtransit and taxis. Whoa. And that will yeah, not that be an be extension terrifying. of GBFS. That will be a different. That will be a different one. Um, and so I encourage folks to just get in touch. Um, I mean, they're welcome to get in touch with me, and I'll get them to the right person on our team for that. But um, yeah, so we're we're with you on the vision. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the ride hailing one. It's just this is quite interesting. One of the one of the things that I did when I was at Uber was um, I was in a group. We were looking at. Um, it was called our blockchain strategy group, but it was at the time looking at what would what would pooled supply of all of the different suppliers look like if you had all of the on like if Lyft could pull its supply with taxis could supply mm-hmm. could pull its supply with everybody else and then what would that look like if you had a, a full market like a true marketplace across the city of all yeah. of the different vehicles that were available so you didn't kind of use one we use another um, but what we realized is that you needed a, an open standard for that to occur and obviously I think they they are probably not going to be very excited about working on it but um, you know it's uh, I think net net would actually be incredibly beneficial to society if we could make it happen um, just in terms of reducing things like deadheading and uh, mileage and all that sort of stuff just get the closest car that's available to you um, yeah. so very exciting awesome yeah. Um, well, look, thank you so much for having both of you on. Um, I really appreciate your, your time and, um, and, and, um, and, and to kind of uh, elucidate and go into the details with all us nerds about um, why, why this stuff matters and, and also the kind of the nitty gritty of it. Is re- I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, well, Oliver. Well, yeah. And um, as Heidi was mentioning, both of our organizations have great resources. So definitely uh, encourage listeners to look us up online and find our resource pages and reach out if you need more help. 
Yeah, I was going to say, how do people reach out to you if they wanted to touch base? Are you are either of you on Twitter? Uh, NABSA is on Twitter and also nabsa.net, N-A-B-S-A dot net. And from there, it's pretty easy to, to find where you want to go. Excellent. Yeah, mobility data is on mobility data is on Twitter as well. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm just on Twitter as me, but you know, so just as long as you know that um, I'm at G R O X I E, and then you can also find me at Heidi at MobilityData.org if you want to any information about any of the stuff that we talked about. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We look forward to having you on soon.